welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is the last of a series of looking at reasons why people just don't believe in God or don't want to believe in God, however you want to phrase that. And uh, this one, we're going to group several of these together for this one. Because I think the thought process is similar. So, there are uh, there are those who basically don't want to believe in God because of children who die. Okay? And we use the term innocent children because we're, we're saying, hey, they're kids, they didn't do anything crazy. So the issue is, why should they die? Why should they die? Why should they uh, get diseases? Why should they be in places that are unsafe? Why should they have families that kill them? Why should, why should they... Why does this happen? Why doesn't God fix it? Because if he's a good God, then he would f- make all that right and just stop it and then the bad people would be punished immediately and then the children would be healed and everybody would be great. And I can see I can see where that argument's coming from. Let me uh, let me let me share this story with you while we're on that topic. So many years ago, I mean, in the Victorian times, I believe, there was a, a, a dad who was very smart, and he was kind of a scientist. He wasn't necessarily a trained scientist. In fact, he went to school to be a preacher. In, uh, in England and uh, he studied and uh, unfortunately his dad knew his grades weren't good enough to get him into a science school it wasn't going to happen so we put him in a uh, theology school and he learned to be a clergyman right? and he as he, you know, he graduated and he never actually took an appointment per se to a church, but um, he was a very inquisitive person and did a lot of studying on his own. And this person had several kids. And he had one daughter. He had a daughter who was very special to him. Very special to him. Um... He loved his kids, but even his own family said this was his favorite kid. This is his favorite kid. She was super sweet. She would 
he had a study that he did stuff in, and he would, and she would come and she would sit and she would play and she had a little box of uh, of uh, little things that she did, little cutout paper cutouts and so forth, and she would play while he's studying in there and. She would come and straighten his jacket and, and straighten his beard. And she just adored him and he adored her. And they were just super sweet. However, one day, this girl, this sweet, precious little girl, when she was 10, she got scarlet fever. Okay, this is in Victorian England. It's a long time ago. And, you know, medical science was, you know, what it was then. She got scarlet fever and she died. And it absolutely freaking destroyed him. It broke him into a million pieces. It hurt him horribly, as it would, as it would for anyone, male or female, to lose a child, ten-year-old, especially one that was adored like she was, because she was so sweet. Now, what's interesting? It's it's not a unique story necessarily, but. What makes the story unique is the fact that that man, his name was Charles Darwin. And his daughter's name was Annie. And he came to a point where he absolutely could not grip the thought of why a benevolent, wondrous God, all-powerful, all-knowing, supposed, you know, supposed to be all good, right, would allow her to die. It just could not. It just didn't work in his brain. And so um, he threw himself into research, into experimenting and looking at things from a different perspective. Um, what's interesting is, you know, from that experience, not many people talk about that. Not many people talk about that. We are emotional beings. And God does not command emotion. Um, case in point Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying and it's recorded in the Gospels it doesn't sound like he is super eager to go to the cross and there's a lot of pain and emotion going on there okay so we're emotional 
we're emotional beings and we feel things sometimes and and that's why I've, I've said before it's not always about the facts the facts are the facts they are they don't change death is a fact birth is a fact you got a human they had a birth that's a fact you got a human you're gonna have a death that's a fact as far as we know sun's gonna come up tomorrow now what the planet's gonna be like it's a different story but but I'm just saying uh, you know there are things that we know you go into space all by your lonesome without any gear you're going to freeze solid and suffocate. Maybe, you know, I'm not sure which one will kill you faster. You jump in a volcano with a bathing suit on, you're going to die. Unless it's an inactive volcano. Well, you might fall and die. But I'm just saying, you jump in lava with a bath, with a bath, with birthday, you know, with a, not a birthday suit, but, uh, excuse me, a swimming suit on, you're going to blooming die. There are some facts that we deal with. Now, a lot of times how we feel about facts is something that we try to superimpose on God. And we, we because we tell ourselves, man, since I feel this way and I'm so upset about it, I think God feels that way too, or He should feel that way. But you know something? I'm glad he doesn't from this perspective. And, and, and don't get me wrong. The Bible has many, many instances where it talks about how passionate God is. How much he cares. How much he, he, he gets angry when, when, uh, when people sin against him. And how that hurts him. I mean, genuine hurt. And he demonstrates that. But, praise God, he's not human. Because if he was, he would have already wiped the planet clean again. Because think about it. I mean, God you know, could start over any second. Any second. He could just, well, okay, well I'm done with this. Boom. He could, right? Started over once before with you know, with Noah, right? As a matter of fact, there's a, a passage in the Old Testament and where where God is talking with Moses and he's saying, Look, I'm done with these people. I'm fixing to wipe them out and start over with you. So he tells him and Moses, to his credit, intervenes with God and says, No, don't do that. Please, please, because now the so the fact that God has emotion, all right, is a substantiated biblical fact if you hold that the biblical record is correct. And of course, I've mentioned over and over again, I believe it is. Now, here's the thing: getting back to children that end up dying. Um, the fact is, and this is a fact, is we're in a screwed up world. I mean, however you want to, 
however you want to, you know, work that equation. Um, I think the difference between a secular thought process and a biblical thought process is, in a biblical thought process, we believe that you're really um, that God is going to rectify it. He's going to solve the, this problem the planet has and the problem humans have. He's going to do that, absolutely. Um, I think in a secular thought process, it's, hey, if we could just get together, we could just unify everybody and you know, and do everything like Star Trek with the, with the United Federation of Planets and we get everybody on the same page, we could fix this, this problem. And what's interesting is even in Star Wars, excuse me, Star Trek, not Star even in Star Trek, um, if you've, and the, if there's Trekkies out there, they're going to know this jazz. There's several world wars after three. <laughs> so I think they have like three or... I mean, I don't know how many world wars go through there before they all get together and everybody goes kumbaya. Okay, so exactly how many war, world wars you want to go through? Because it, even in the Star Trek scenario, there's there's quite a few beyond two. Alright? So here's the thing, though. We're in a fallen world, this fallen planet. So, what's the answer? The, the answer to, um, to healing everybody is actually to remove sin. Now, you're, you, 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 now people are probably thinking, um, whoa, wait a minute, are you, are you saying sin causes disease? Hmm? I would say there's a smoking gun, yeah, in 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 that situation. Um, now, there's uh, that's a theory, right? It's a theory, so I'm just saying um, the world is in degradation, all right, um, and the uh, complication is is selfish. Uh, attitudes, which the Bible calls sin, uh, cause us to make bad choices, bad decisions, both as individuals and both as groups and nations. So, um, if God just wiped this sin from the planet, okay, basically said, okay, um, I'm just going to fix it, we'll wipe. everything would die. <laughs> All the humans would, for certain, sure. Even the saved ones. Because we got sin that we do. And it happens. You say, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? You know, Jesus you know, absolutely paid for you know, the price for all their sin. Yes, he did. But here's the issue. The sin in this physical body, this physical body is corrupted by sin and is going to die. That's the reason it's going to die. Otherwise, it would keep living. And we can say, oh, well, no, that has to do with RNA uh, degeneration and whatnot. Okay, um, okie dokie. But here's the thing. Sin, it permeates everything. And if God removed it, it would destroy the planet again. And he's already said he didn't want to do that. 
So he's trying to work with us. Now, the, the issue is, if that happened, yes, the people who knew Jesus would go to heaven to be with Jesus, and then everyone else, you know, would go to their eternal reward, uh, whatever that may be. Um, and uh, that doesn't sound like a really great option, to be honest. Um, but the issue is still, it's sin. It permeates everything. People get sick because we're in a world that has, that is literally sick. And that's why it's, uh, it says in the word that the whole planet, um, one translation is that it stands on tiptoes waiting for the reconciliation of all things where the planet gets healed and everything else so sin is disease disease causes you know is linked to that to sin and the difference between people who have a relationship with the living God through Jesus and and people who don't is that yeah that we're going to lose this physical body this physical body is going down but we get another one on the other side and then we get to come back after this world is remade and everything will be awesome now so, why did the kids die? Why do why do innocent kids die? Because we live in an absolutely fallen world, and yes, God could remove the sin, but if He does, everyone on the planet dies. Now, the the next complication that it, it kind of is in relation to that. People don't believe that because bad stuff happens to very good people. Well, again, you got why do kid why do innocent kids get cancer scenario or, or get sick scenario? Bad stuff happens to very yes, it does. That's because again, we're living in a very hostile environment. This planet, it is. There is such a thing as evil. Secular thought processes just view that as, oh, well, that's just bad decisions. Hmm, well, yeah. But the motive behind the bad decisions, usually it comes from, from lust of power, money, uh, selfishness, you know, narcissism, all kinds of fun junk, which is sin. And people don't like to talk about that. Why do you know? I used to ask, why did I get cancer? Why did I get cancer? Well, again, you know, I got I got cancer, and then I got treated. But I'm still, you know, I I had it, and when I got that diagnosis, I was like, you know, like, what, you know, why me? Because most people that get cancer feel that way. <laughs> and again, it's emotional. 
Because, yeah, somebody says you got cancer. It gets kind of emotional. But the issue is, um, I didn't think I was a really horrible person. Why did I get cancer? You know, it's not about being good or bad. It's about being on this planet. If you live near a volcano, an active volcano, chances are you can see some lava coming through your house. I mean, it, it's, you know, if you live in a war zone, chances are you're going to see some bullets and some stuff blowing up right in your house. <laughs> it's true. So, again, you know, this is the only planet we got. But this planet is jacked up. And until a, and it would take, believe me, a supreme power to fix it. Um, so why do bad, why does bad stuff happen to good people? Because it's, it's not a matter of, of good or bad. Good things and bad things happen to good and bad people. Now you can be rest assured though that the bad people will get what's coming to them. And the good people will as well. But now, good's kind of a relative kind of term. I prefer to think of it as godly. And that means I'm focused on what God wants. Because, I mean, you got to think about Moses, one of God's best buddies. He still died. He still died. Now, the last, uh, the last uh, thought on why people don't believe in God, why somebody may not believe in God, is they said religion is a man-made institution. So, and, it, and, and basically that's kind of a sociological thing. They're thinking, okay, look, bad, all this bad, all this good, you know, and... Stuff happens in the air. We can't explain it. Years, you know, you know, you know, millennia ago, nobody could explain it. So they just said, "Oh, it must be spirits. Oh, it must be, must be God, or a God, or the gods, or several gods, or you know, there's a God of the rocks and of the trees and of, you know, that man invented religion in order to explain how things behaved around them." Um, the interesting thing is, to me, and with that particular, with that particular thought, is it's about it's half true from this perspective. Okay, it's half true. I feel, and let me clarify why. If you hold the biblical record, the Bible is correct, which I do. Originally, originally, God didn't institute religion. It was a relationship. He wanted to have a relationship with humans. He made humans so he could have a relationship. He wanted a relationship. He wanted 
those people to be free agents, which is a fancy word, way of saying he didn't want robots. He didn't want to say, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. You know, do you, do you want to make me happy? Yes, I want to make you happy. Yes, what, what would you like for me to do to make you happy? You know, he didn't want robots. There had to be the possibility of them not wanting to do what he wanted in order for it to be free will. But here's the issue. Um, it was a relationship between a divine being and a non-divine being. So in a way, God instituted religion, if you look at it that way. Now, the difference is this. Religion, and, and, and it depends on your, the definition you're using, okay, for religion, but because a, uh, if, you, if you think of it as an organized system of belief, okay, um, then I would say originally God instituted religion. But it wasn't a. Uh, it wasn't a uh, institution at that point. What made it an institution is God wanted a relationship. Okay, again, it's. Uh, I prefer to use the word relationship instead of religion. With Israel with a people. That's why he saved them. That's why he took them out of Egypt. Because he wanted to have a relationship with them. And in in a way, I think God instituted the religion from this perspective because he didn't because when Moses went to, to Pharaoh and said and said God said you know thus saith the Lord let my people go, he didn't say so they could wild run crazy, crazy naked in the wilderness and do anything they wanted and have wild parties. He didn't say that. He said so they could come and worship me, so they could come and serve me. That was a systematized situation. All right. God had a plan. This is how I need you to behave if you're going to have a relationship with me. And if you think of it, about marriage in, in, a, in a similar, uh, a similar uh, kind of thought process, two married people are supposed to have expectations from each other in things that they're supposed to do and not do. I mean, and that's not unusual for a marriage. There is a set of things that it's understood there's you know your the spouse is supposed to do for you, and both spouses are supposed to do for each other, okay, and uh stuff that you're not supposed to do, like you know infidelity and and being a real jerk and beating on each other and stuff like that. So the issue is, um, if you're talking about a a uh, a organized system of belief, then God created religion. 
from that perspective. Now, what I would say, at least from the biblical thought process, is that over time, that thought, that relationship, was was uh, messed up because sin entered into the world, and then all of a sudden, people started saying, well, I don't want to worship God anymore, I'm going to worship something else. And so they start picking other stuff to worship. Stuff that can't do anything. Stuff that won't do anything. Um, now, from a secular thought process, um, I could see, if, if I could totally see where they're coming from in this venue, and that is that if you th if you're thinking purely secular, you're thinking, oh gosh, you know, none of that spiritual garbage, you get rid of that. Um, I'm gonna, you know, just me and my what I can, you know, see, touch, and feel. That's me, and and it's, you know, if if you have people, if you have someone that's doing that, then when someone who is utterly uh, non-spiritual in thought in their thoughts, okay, and and they're saying, hey, spirit, spiritual jazz, I don't exist, bunch of garbage, uh, you know, that ain't happening. Then when you look at religion, you're thinking, well, that is something people made up to make themselves feel better. Because, and uh, to be honest, uh, when, and now going back to the biblical kind of thought process, when people started worshiping other stuff, because there's way there's a lot of other gods, small g, mentioned in the Bible that are substantiated with our archaeology that people did all kinds of stuff. Um, and not the least of which, uh, one one god was Molech or Malak, uh, and people uh, they're trying to figure out. There's arguments back and forth, but we know that either they took babies and, and, and passed them through flame, or they burned the children alive. Um, either one was pretty screwed up. But anyway, uh, the complication is, is the further, and from a biblical thought process, from the further people got away from God, the more extreme, crazy, weird junk was thrown into their religion to the point where it was there was almost no rules and they were killing people right and left and and uh, the standards were basically um, you know I don't want to say amoral because they had a system of morals but let's just say that human life was not very valuable in some ways but you see that kind of degradation go downhill. Now, if you're a secular archaeologist and you're looking at that, you're thinking, that's screwed up, and man made that. So, so I'll say this. On the one hand, saying that men made, made religion, well, if you're talking about religions that, that had uh, anything but the God of Israel, then I would say, yeah, that's true. 
if you're talking about, from a biblical standpoint, who invented religion as a faith system, I would say God did that. And, I, and basically, it wasn't because he wanted a religion. It was God had very had things that people needed to do to have a relationship with him. Um, because again, sin in the presence of God burns up. That's why several occasions in the Old Testament they said people have thought, "I saw God. I'm going to die." You know, there you go. But anyway, this uh, been pretty involved thought process. And let me just say this. God is big enough for doubt. He's big enough for our, our emotion. He, he's big enough for all of our frustration. He's big enough for all of that. He can and will intervene in our lives if we will allow him to. But he won't force it. And the first step has to be you have you got to come to the point where you say, "Look, you know, almost like a twelve-step program. I am in the middle of all this this chaos. I can't handle this. I need help. Jesus, will you help me?" And yeah, He will. But anyway, I want to thank you and please keep on studying. Please keep on reading your Bible. Please keep on praying. And please, Shalom, Shalom, Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So would Levitt used to say. And keep on keeping. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth.